Well, hello and welcome to Catechesis, a teaching series aimed to instruct in foundational Christian doctrine and to encourage piety amongst the people of God. For those who don't know me, my name is Joe Anity. I serve as pastor at Emmaus Reformed Baptist Church in Hemet, California, and I'm glad that you've decided to listen in today. We come now to question five of the Baptist Catechism, which asks, May all men make use of the Holy Scriptures. The answer to this question might seem obvious to you, but that probably has something to do with the time in which we live. The predominant opinion has not always been that all men may make use of the Holy Scriptures. Question. May all men make use of the Holy Scriptures. The answer given, all men are not only permitted, but commanded and exhorted to read, hear, and understand the Scriptures. The words, all men, should grab our attention, for they appear in both the question and the answer. Again, the question, may all men make use of the Holy Scriptures? What is meant by all men? Well, our catechism is asking if everyone, that is, all people, men and women alike, are permitted to make use of the Scriptures, is everyone allowed to read the Scriptures, etc.? Or are the Scriptures to only be read, studied, interpreted, and applied by a certain class of men? Again, many Christians living in the year 2020 might think that the answer is obvious, but it is not obvious to all. It certainly wasn't obvious to all in the 15th and 16th centuries, and it should be remembered that our catechism was published by the year 1695. In the centuries leading up to the invention of the printing press and prior to the Protestant Reformation, we should remember that very few people had access to the Holy Scriptures in their native language. It was primarily the clergy who had access to the Scriptures, and even the clergy had to read the Scriptures primarily in Latin and not in their native tongue. It is no wonder that many assumed in those days that the Scriptures were to be used only by a certain class of men. Clergy could use the Scriptures. Highly educated people could use the Scriptures, but not the common man. That was the view in the days leading up to the Protestant Reformation. But with the rediscovery of the Scriptures in the original languages, that is to say in the Greek and the Hebrew And with the invention of the printing press, uh, making copies of the Scriptures much more available, more and more people began to read the Scriptures for themselves. This, in fact, helped to spark the Protestant Reformation. And one of the central ideas of the Reformation was that the Scriptures alone are our authority for truth. It is no wonder, then, that we find this question among the first and most foundational questions in our Catechism. May all men make use of the Holy Scriptures? The answer is yes, as we will see. For a slightly more extensive statement on this subject, I would direct your attention to our confession, that is, the Second London Baptist Confession, also called the London Baptist Confession of 1689. Look at chapter 1, and particularly paragraph 8. There we read the Old Testament in Hebrew, which was the native language of the people of God of old, and the New Testament in Greek, which at the time of the writing of it was most generally known to the nations, 
being immediately inspired by God and by his singular care and providence kept pure in all ages, are therefore authentic. So as in all controversies of religion, the Church is finally to appeal to them. But because these original tongues are not known to all the people of God who have a right unto and interest in the Scriptures, and are commanded in the fear of God to read and search them, therefore they are to be translated into the vulgar, meaning common, language of every nation unto which they come, that the word of God dwelling plentifully in all, they may worship him in an acceptable manner, and through patience and comfort of the Holy Scriptures, may have hope. This is a very helpful paragraph, and it helps us to better understand what our catechism is addressing here in question 5. The Old Testament scriptures were originally written in Hebrew. Uh, This is not surprising, given that the Old Covenant was made primarily with the Hebrew or Jewish people. But take special notice of this. The New Testament was written in Greek. This should catch our attention. The first disciples of Jesus were Jewish, remember. One should ask, therefore, why didn't they write in Hebrew? Why Greek? Well, remember that Christ came to save not only Jews, but Gentiles also. The first disciples of Christ were commanded by him to go and make disciples of all nations. The new covenant was not made with any particular race of men, but with all who have faith in Christ, Jew or Gentile. The fact that the apostles of Christ, who were Jewish, either wrote or approved of writings in Greek fits perfectly with the nature of the New Covenant and with the mission given to the Church. The Gospel was to go to all nations, and Greek, being the most common and universal language of that time, was the language that was chosen. Friends, the Scriptures are to be accessible to all men. They are not to be reserved for a special class of men, the highly educated or powerful, nor are they to be reserved for a particular race of men, uh, only those who can speak or read Latin, for example. Uh, But instead, all men are not only permitted, but commanded and exhorted to read, hear, and understand the Holy Scriptures. This is why the Hebrew and Greek Scriptures should be translated into other languages, When you read the scriptures, you probably read from an English translation of the Bible. On the one hand, you should give thanks to God that you are able to read the scriptures in your native tongue. Men have died to make that possible, by the way. On the other hand, it is important to remember that you are reading a translation. It is important for some men, particularly pastors and teachers, therefore, to study Greek and Hebrew so that we do not lose contact with the originals through engagement with the ancient manuscripts written in those languages. Notice that our catechism says all men are not only permitted but commanded and exhorted to make use of the scriptures. In other words, it is not just that all men are allowed to use the scriptures if they want to, but the scriptures themselves command and exhort men to use them. I think many examples of this can be found in the scriptures. I'll I'll mention only two for the sake of time. The first is listed as a support text in the Catechism, that is, 
Acts 17, verse 11. There we read, Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Notice that these Jews, they seem to be common men and not unusually educated or powerful men, examined the scriptures daily. Uh, This they did to test the teaching that was brought to them to see if it was true. Consider also Psalm 1, which says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. In short, uh, the scriptures in many places not only permit but encourage people to love the Word of God, to read the Scriptures, to meditate upon them, and to apply them. Notice lastly that this catechism says that all men are encouraged to read, hear, and understand the Holy Scriptures. Brothers and sisters, a personal Bible reading is a very good discipline to develop. I would encourage you, to pick a time and place and to have a plan to read the scriptures daily. I would encourage you to, over time, learn how to properly interpret the scriptures. This we must also do. We must read, hear, and understand the scriptures. This means we must learn to interpret them properly. The scriptures are to be meditated upon. This simply means that we are to think deeply upon them. The scriptures are also to be applied to life. It does us no good at all to read the scriptures and even to understand them if we do not then apply them. It is good for you to memorize scripture. I will say this, that having a good study Bible can help with all of this. I do recommend the ESV study Bible to you. There are other good study Bibles as well, but there we have the text of scripture along with a little bit of commentary, which might help us to understand what it is that the scriptures are teaching. Family Bible reading is also important, or perhaps you would be able to set time aside during the week to read the scriptures with those in your household. This is what our catechism is encouraging. Uh, The people of God are to read uh, the Holy Scriptures. Not only are Christians to read the Word themselves, but they are to hear it as it is read and preached each Lord's Day. And here is one thing that is sadly neglected in our time. Preaching has become hyper-individualistic. Preaching has become hyper-experiential. Preaching has become hyper-practical. And I'm afraid that many pastors have minimized the reading and teaching of Scripture within the church. But listen to the instructions given by the Apostle Paul to pastors Timothy and Titus. 1 Timothy 4.13 says, Until I come... Devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. This is the job of the pastor, according to Paul. 1 Timothy 4, 15-16 says, Practice these things, immerse yourself in them, so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so you will save both yourself and your hearers here Paul is further pressing Timothy to 
to give himself entirely to the reading and teaching of Holy Scripture. And then in 2 Timothy 4, 1 and 2, we find these words. Paul says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Paul wanted to impress upon young Timothy. Uh, He was a young pastor. Uh, to devote himself entirely to the reading and teaching of Holy Scripture. This was to be at the heart of his ministry as a pastor. Titus 2.1 also says, But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Titus also, being a pastor, was exhorted by Paul to teach the Scriptures. Now, I do not wish to minimize the value of daily and personal Bible reading, but I do wish to elevate the value of, of hearing the scriptures read and preached on the Lord's Day to its proper and biblical place. I am afraid that it has been minimized in our day and age, but we should remember that for much of the history of the church, individual Christians did not have access to the scriptures in the way that we do today. They went to church to hear the scriptures read and preached. They meditated on what they heard, and then they labored to apply it. It is important, therefore, to come to church on the Lord's Day with hearts prepared to hear the Word of God read and preached. One, we should come with holy reverence. Isaiah 66, 2 says, All these things my hand has made, and so all these things came to be, declares the Lord. But this is the one to whom I will look, he who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. This should be true of us. We should come before the Lord with holy reverence. We should tremble before the word of God. Two, we should come with delight. Psalm 1-2 again says, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. This is the description of the blessed man. He is the one who delights in the law of the Lord. Three, we should come with faith, remembering that without faith it is impossible to please God. Hebrews 11.6 Four, we should come in a spirit of meekness. James 1.21 says that we are to put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Five, we should come with the intent to obey what we hear. In Deuteronomy 32.46, Moses says, Take to heart all the words by which I am warning you today, that you may command them to your children, that they may be careful to do all the words of this law. Whenever we hear God's word read and proclaimed, we should be eager to obey what it is that we have heard. Six, we should come with the desire to hear God's word again and again, Acts 13.42 says, As they went out, the people begged that these things might be told to them the next Sabbath. Uh, May it also be true of us, that after hearing the word of God read and preached on the Lord's Day, we are eager to return again the next Lord's Day to hear it read and preached once more. Not only does our catechism exhort us to read and hear the scriptures, but also to understand them. And sometimes this takes work. One very important doctrine is our 
doctrine of the perspicuity or clarity of Scripture. And when we talk about the clarity of Scripture, we are emphasizing that it is possible to understand what the Scriptures are saying. The Scriptures are inspired by God. They are inerrant. They are authoritative. They are clear. And if they are not clear, then it is hard to see how they can be called authoritative, inerrant, and inspired. Is God a poor communicator? Has he inspired scriptures that cannot be understood? Is it possible for unclear scriptures to be authoritative to us? I think not. This doctrine of the perspicuity or clarity of scripture is very important, and it is under assault today. Some would claim that, yes, we have the Bible, and yes, it is the Word of God, but can we really understand the Scriptures, they might say. But when we say that the Scriptures are clear, we do not mean that all passages of Scripture are equally clear, or that understanding the Scriptures is always easy. Our confession speaks to this in chapter 1, paragraph 7, saying, All things in Scripture are not alike plain in themselves, nor alike clear unto all. Yet, those things which are necessary to be known, believed, and observed for salvation are so clearly propounded and opened in some place of Scripture or other, that not only the learned, we might say literate, but the unlearned, illiterate is the meaning here, in a due use of ordinary means, may attain to a sufficient understanding of them. Here is the doctrine of the perspicuity of Scripture. The Scriptures are clear as it pertains to those things which are necessary to be known, believed, and observed for salvation, is what our confession is saying. But notice there is a qualification stated here at the beginning of this paragraph. All things in Scripture are not alike plain in themselves, nor alike clear unto all. In other words, there are some things in the Scriptures that are difficult to understand, and some may have a more difficult time understanding those things than others. We must admit that not all have understood the Scriptures correctly. After all, there are false teachers in the world, and the reasons for misinterpretation are varied. One, some have been negligent, perhaps, They have not put in the hard work required to interpret the Scriptures correctly. Two, others may have been handed over to what we might call judicial blindness. By that I mean that God has given them over to their erroneous views as a form of judgment. Isaiah 6.10 speaks to this, saying, Make the heart of this people dull, and their ears heavy, and blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and turn, and be healed. Christ himself spoke to this, saying, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Here a distinction is made between his disciples and those who remained in their unbelief. And Christ seems to be saying here that this was a form of judgment upon some. They were given over to judicial blindness. Three, We must understand that some twist the Scriptures intentionally for selfish gain. And 2 Peter 3.15 speaks to this, saying, And count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you, according to the wisdom given to him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, so there we have that admission from Peter, not all Scripture is 
completely clear or easy to understand. But then he adds this, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. And so Peter does refer to this group of ignorant and unstable souls who deliberately twist the scriptures to their own destruction. The point is this, when the scriptures are misinterpreted, the problem is not with the scriptures, but with the heart and mind of man. Question, may all men make use of the holy scriptures? Perhaps the young ones can repeat after me here. All men are not only permitted, but commanded and exhorted to read, hear, and understand the Holy Scriptures. Thank you for listening, friends. I pray that this teaching has blessed you. And until next time, abide in Christ.